everyone and welcome to Globalize Asia. Support for this podcast comes from Royal Beans Chocolates. Royal Beans is based out of Bangalore, India and specializes in Belgian chocolates infused with exciting flavors like masala chai, cappuccino, berry blast, walnut marble and many more. You can gift these special crafted chocolates to your loved ones in India by visiting their website www.royalbeans.in. Use the promotional code GLA10 to get 10% discount off your order. Thank you. Hi everyone and welcome to Globalization. LGBT is a term collectively used globally describing certain section of our society based on their sexual preferences. Our guest today is Asifa Lahore. born as a gay man who became the first british muslim transgender and made a niche for himself in the entertainment industry asifa had decided to go through sex reassignment surgery i s r s and undergoing hormone therapy at the moment transitioning from being a gay man called asif qureshi to a transgender and finally becoming asifa lahore the woman let's hear the life story highlighting phases of gender identity and the social repercussions of Asifa Lahore. Well, hi Asifa, welcome to Globalization. It's been an amazing um, experience reaching out to you and then you agreeing to um, joining us on this podcast. Uh, you, as I understand, is the first British Muslim drag queen. Now, let's start with the, the technicality of drag queen. What just for you know the benefits of our listeners what is a drag queen so a drag queen is um in in its definition in its literal definition it's a man who dresses up as a woman to entertain to entertain on stage or on video or whatever format it's essentially someone dressing up um to impersonate the opposite gender in order to um entertain or create an alter ego um that's the literal definition of drag um drag has then since sort of evolved so much where different genders or people identifying differently in their gender can still do drag interesting and let's take your pre drag years before you decided to become a drag queen so you were born as a boy as asif qureshi That's correct. And yes. uh you lived your life as a gay man for a number of years. Yes. Um you've come out to your parents and uh over the period of time you've been very vocal about your sexuality and your religion and that they they can reconcile uh in the same community that we come from from Southeast Asia. You obviously born and brought up in 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 UK. Mm-hmm. Where what I'm trying to understand is uh when did you realize that drag is your future so to speak uh, or or you want to go into that in that direction um i started drag uh 7 years ago now and i fell into it by total accident um if i'm honest with you i was out clubbing one night with some friends um and in the local sort of um um gay scene in london we have magazines and literally in the magazines they were advertising for contestants 
for something called Drag Idol UK, which is the UK's national um, drag competition, which takes place every year. And my friends just said to me, go on, do it, enter. You've always wanted to perform. We, you know, you'd, we think you'd be a very pretty drag queen. Um, and I think as a child, I always wanted to be a performer. I went uh, to the Brit School of Performing Arts in South London, uh, which is very prestigious. You know, people like Adele and Leona Lewis and, and Kate Nash have been there. And um, I think that they see... The Desi route or, you know, my parents were always like, you must do a proper job. You know, you must uh, become a lawyer or a doctor or something. You must go to university. So I sort of gave up my uh, childhood ambition of, of, of performing. And seven years ago, I was uh, in a very happy place. You know, I had already come out to my parents. I, I was um, in a marriage with another man. Um, and everything was, you know, at that point, absolutely fine. And I thought, you know, now's the time for me to revisit my um, performing ambition. Right. And I decided to enter this um, competition and I ended up causing a lot of controversy. Talking about controversy, is it because of the heritage uh, you come from um, in terms of uh, you were born and brought up here? What about your parents? My parents are Pakistani, so my dad is from Lahore, uh, Punjabi, and my mum is from Karachi. So, yeah. H hence the name Lahori. Exactly. Okay. Lahore. <laughs> I love that Sorry, name. Sorry, <laughs> not Lahori. I mean, I'm, I am a Lahori if I'm from Lahore, yes, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, so how was, how was coming out as a gay man in front of your parents? Was it a conscious decision or was it something they stumbled upon by chance or... Um, it was a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, it was super challenging. I mean, anybody who's coming out as, you know, gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender in, in the Desi community, it's so, so, so challenging because, you know, in our mother languages of Hindi, Punjabi, Urdu, whatever, we don't really have words for, for gay or lesbian. Um, so it was really challenging. I mean, I... I think, oddly enough, I think my mum, just like any other um, uh, Desi housewife, I think she was just doing some cleaning in my room and, and me being, you know, in my early 20s, um, I was very messy and she would clean up after me. And I think she found um, a magazine, actually, uh, another scene magazine where, you know, these magazines would have like... Um, photos from the, the gay clubs and um, news about what was happening in the community. And she questioned me about it. And I, you know, I, I, it's a moment in my life I think I would always remember because um, it really shaped my future in the sense that um, my mum asked me, you know, um, I found this and I, I want you to tell me the truth. Um, and she said it in Urdu. My mom said, "Mujhe sach bata, tum kaun ho, tum kya ho." And I said, "I said I I will remember this moment for the rest of my life." It was a split second, but it felt like an absolute eternity. It felt like a a slow motion sort of sequence from a a film. Uh, two thoughts came into my head. I could either lie my head off and get myself out of this situation, or actually tell her the truth and and be done with it. Um, 
rather than sort of conjuring up the courage to go to mum and dad and tell them here was an opportunity that was presented to me. So I, um, within a split second, I made the decision and it just came out of me and I said, um, I'm me and, um, you know, what followed were like weeks and weeks of questions and, you know, some I had the answers to, some I didn't, some I did, but I really did not want to discuss like, you know, things that were so private with, with my parents. Uh, so it was really challenging to begin with. Yeah. And what age was that? I was, I was at university, so I was very young. I was 22, 23. Right. So you already figured out, when did you figure out that you were gay or when did you accept it that you were gay? I think it was, it's something that's always been there. It's, I don't think there's any defining points. Right. I mean, I can look back and go, you know, it's it, it, when you are in your formative years and you're beginning puberty and all the guys are looking at girls and you're actually looking at the other guys. You know, I knew I liked guys from mm. a young age, yeah. Did you have anyone like a friend or a sibling who you confided in and discussed this? Uh, my sister is very, very nosy. So she read one of my diaries when I was 16 and, and she was uh, 11. Um, and she found out and I told her about it. And and I think she, you know, she was very, she was very supportive, but she did say it's going to be an issue for mm. my parents. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. So moving on to you know, coming out to your parents and then um, entering into a drag competition. Did you actually won that? I didn't win that competition, no. I created a lot of um, controversy at the time because I was the first um, Muslim and Desi person to enter that competition. Right. And, you know, it, at the time it was predominantly very much a white, gay and lesbian sort of affair. And I not only was, you know, the first Desi and Muslim to enter, I also, in my stage act, I decided to wear a burqa. At okay. the time, the, the burqa was very much in the news. It was very much a, a topic of discussion in the UK. And... Um, it, was, it was a statement from you, isn't it? That you want to um, embrace that, yes, you're Muslim and yes, you're gay and... and um, you have a sense of humor. I'm assuming that that probably was the reason for the burqa. Uh, I mean, there were several reasons. I mean, you know, it was a competition. I had entered it to win. I, I don't enter competitions not to win. You know, I want to compete. And um, I thought, what could set me apart? And I was very, you know, I was very... Um, I knew, you know, my desiness and who I was would make me stand out. So there was that reason for wearing the burqa. I think also, yes, I mean, drag to me is has always been about sense of humour. And, um, you know, my drag is very British because I've grown up in the UK. So British drag really is quite slapstick. It's quite, you know, tongue in cheek. It's not very serious. Um, and, uh, you know, in the UK, our drag is very much live. We don't very lips, we don't lip sync like... American drag queens, Australian drag queens do. We sing live, we do comedy. And, um, you know, part of it was actually a lot of humour where I thought, okay, I wonder what would happen if I went on in a burqa and, 
you know, I took the burqa off and I was wearing a sari underneath and I took the sari off and I was wearing a miniskirt underneath. It was, it was very much me, a, a creative visual discussion on being, you know, a British Muslim desi living in the right. UK. Okay. Did you, did you felt that you're marketing yourself, um, as a Muslim drag queen because there was nothing out there in terms of uh, a gay community which is uh, doing that sort of uh, promotion, so to speak? Was it a conscious decision to even educate and bring that level of message within the community? Or was it just became a part later on at a later stage? I mean, did you feel the sense of responsibility that yes, you've made that decision to to enter a, a you know a public platform mm. and did you feel that there might be more people like me within our community which are not coming out mm. did you felt this is a good platform for me to probably reach out to those individuals as well i mean i at the time of entering that competition for me it was very much about just wanting to perform again and you know fulfill my ambition of, of being a, a performer um, i didn't really think about you know what I was doing, it was very much a sense of humor. It really, if I'm honest with you, it was total innocence that I, I, I decided to sort of wear that and, and you know, express my desiness and my Britishness and, and me being a Muslim and, and LGBT. But I soon became aware, obviously, that, you know, the controversies of that competition and, and what would follow, I soon became aware of the responsibility um, because it was that competition that actually gave me the title. Mm. They called me Britain's first out Muslim drag queen because that's essentially what I was at the time. And I, I realized and I became aware of the responsibility that, 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 you know, was placed on my shoulders and either I could, I could look, I could have just, um, you know, I got, I, I began a career as a drag queen. I could have just continued. Uh, making good money and having a great career as a drag queen and don't get me wrong I still maintain a great career as a drag queen but yeah there is a responsibility there of of speaking out of giving voice to um, issues which you know for years and decades and and and, and centuries sometimes have just been swept under the carpet um, I think you know the issues of my life and the issues of many other people that are in similar situations are not really talked about in the Desi community. Mm. So has anybody followed you post you coming out and you know talking um, on various platforms as you do? Um, is there a second, third, fourth Muslim drag queen? I mean, there's there's many more drag queens that have um, that you know. Um, I want to make clear that there were drag Muslim drag queens before me in the UK. And there will be countless other Muslim drag queens. Um, you know, as of now, as, as we're speaking right now, there are probably like 200 Muslim drag queens in the UK right now. I think for me, I was lucky enough to be the first out Muslim drag queen. I was first um, in speaking out about the issues. Right. And I think that's, um, that's probably why that title was given to me. Um, since since me um, sort of publicly coming out, has there been another drag queen um, that has spoken publicly? Yes, there have. There's been a few. 
Um, and I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that more and more people are speaking out, not just as, as drag queens, but also as, you know, proud and out desi lesbians, gay men, bisexual people, transgender people. I think that's, it's a definitely positive sign. Mm. Okay, in, in terms of, so I'm sure, you know, coming from our um, Asian background, um, profession is uh, seen as a very important aspect of your life. Because mm. you, know, you all, as you mentioned that, uh, your parents yourself wanted um, you to be either engineer or doctor, lawyer, those kind of stuff. Uh, how, I mean, what I, what are the options available for people who are, gays in, in Asian communities who are want to go into entertainment um, industry like yourself mm. is it an easy route uh, for them to to follow like you have obviously gone through a, um, um, a cycle of uh, performing in various um, shows or various clubs etc what advice would you have for for somebody who's looking into that direction I guess the first point of advice would be to have a lot of courage because if you're going to be an out LGBT entertainer in the, in from our communities, you've got to be very, very, um, you've kind of have to have balls of steel. If I'm honest with you, you've got to be very courageous. Um, you've got to know who you are and you've got to be prepared that, you know, you probably will get a lot of, uh, backlash and you, you're not going to please everybody. And in the in the social media era that we're living in, everybody's voice is equal. Everybody has an opinion. And people aren't afraid to show their opinions or write their opinions online or, or in person. So just be aware that, look, it is going to be difficult, but if this is something that you really want to do and you're talented and you're good at, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare anyone to do it. All I would say is be aware of... of of um you know the obstacles ahead okay and is it financially viable these kind of um like drag queens in the and i'm trying to understand is it can people survive on that um i mean i'm paying my bills and i'm paying my mortgage on it i mean i, I i'm very lucky in the sense that you know i run um i run my own club nights i um perform up and down the country i do shows um, I also host um, prides and melas up and down the country. So this year, for example, I'm hosting London Pride um, in Trafalgar Square. Um, I'm hosting part of the afternoon and I'll be introducing Sadiq Khan, uh, the mayor of London as well. Um, so, um, you know, it's taken me years, like I've been doing this now for six years. So it's taken me six years to get to a point where, you know, I'm 100% self-employed. I'm, um, you know, I'm financially secure and I'm really enjoying my life and, and my career. Now, I understand you're going through hormone therapy for uh, to become a woman. Yes. Uh, which you were also termed as transgender. Mm. When did you realize that gay men is or being a trans, um, sorry, being a drag queen is not your thing and mm. that there is more to it mm. and when did you realize you should go through this uh, process um, so I began my transition um, when I was 33 so that's last year and many people like ask me like 
you know, why it took so long. I mean, trans people tend to uh, transition earlier, like in their 20s or, you know, even in their teens. Um, and what I say is the reason why it took me 33 years to sort of realize and come out as a transgender woman was because I had to go through so many other things as, you know, I'm not just transgender. There's so many other identities that I fall into. So, um, although I was born in, in the UK, um, I have spent extensive periods of time um, in Pakistan as well and through the through sort of uh, extended holidays and and living in Pakistan between the ages of 11 and 14 I was very aware of um, the Hijra community um, that lives in Pakistan and much of South Asia um, and when I was growing up I always used to think okay that's who I am that's you know I, I that's that's me that's what I'm going to be when I grew grow up but Coming back to the UK each and every time um, and coming back, um, you know, at, at 14 and then living here through my formative years, the visibility of transgender people went from 100% where I could see them in, in Pakistan to 0% in the UK. And I, I, I heavily got bullied for being effeminate or for being gay in school. So I just assumed that I was gay. I just assumed that I was a gay man because I couldn't be transgender because it wasn't legal. It, it wasn't visible in the UK and I was getting bullied so much for being gay. So I must be gay. Um, and obviously I came out first time as gay. I, you know, entered into a gay marriage and I, um, you know, I started my successful drag career. Um, but the more and more I performed, I've, I quickly became aware that for me, um, I remember the first time I put on hair and makeup and clothes, female clothes, it's like my hand was fitting into a glove that was made for me. There was just something there that felt so right. And every night that I would take off my makeup and hair, I know a big part of me would die. And I slowly became, um, I slowly, slowly started talking to myself about my gender identity, maybe about three, four years ago, where I started questioning whether this was more than a performance for me, more than a drag performance. Um, I think for me, the first time around was so traumatic coming out that, you know, here I was, I was in a, in a gay marriage, I you know, it was in a successful career. My parents had come round to the idea of who I was. Did I really want to rock the boat and, um, you know, essentially end my marriage? Because uh, for my ex-husband, it, 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 you know, every time I sort of, uh, you know, would bring up the subject of transition, it would be an issue for him. So I knew that I would have to exit my marriage. I knew that I'd have to come out again and go through that entire process. And obviously medically, it's 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 a huge decision to make, like, you know, putting yourself through hormone therapy and, and having surgery as well. Um, but it was, I'm, there was a point in two years ago where I went to South Africa 
and it was a conference for gay and lesbian, bisexual, transgender Muslim people that was held in Cape Town and many people and activists from the community were invited um, from around the world. And it was two years ago in 2016 and I met so many trans people from around the world and particularly from South Asia, from Pakistan, from uh, India, Bangladesh and Thailand and Malaysia and, and much of the Southeast as well. And hearing their stories and seeing how they were living their lives, um, although legally, you know, being trans is, is, is legal in many parts of Asia, socially it's a whole different story. People are ostracized and have to go through all sorts of, you know, trials and turbulations just to get onto hormones. And I realised, look, here I am living in a country in the UK where I have access to healthcare, where I could potentially come out uh, as trans and live very openly as trans. And why was I holding myself back? And it was in that moment that I made that decision in South Africa two years ago and I came back to the UK at the end of that conference and, and told my sister, my friends and set the you know set the wheels in motion for transition and yeah i then went on you know then i started hormone therapy i exited my marriage and i came out as as transgender at at the age of 33. can i just quickly ask take you back a bit you mentioned about your husband and uh, um, that you were married um, as a gay man mm. where did you meet him uh, was it was it easy uh, for you to go out and date or find I don't know another gay man? I mean, was it <laughs> from Asian background? Was it white background? Um, so before I met my husband, I would you know I, I I I was dating all sorts of guys from all sorts of backgrounds. But I met my ex husband um, at university. Um, uh, he was a Pakistani student, a Pakistani international student. Um, very much from the Pakistani elite from Islamabad, uh, son of a diplomat who was based in the UK. And I, um, you know, I met him, I, I, I fell in love with him and, and our relationship, our friendship started and then it blossomed into a relationship and it, it soon became apparent that we, um, you know, that we loved each other. And, um, you know, we, we entered into, after meeting at university, uh, three years later, we, we married, uh, entered into a civil partnership in the UK. Um, and it was a, you know, it was a, a marriage and a partnership that I was very, um, happy in and very much, um, uh, came to an end because, you know, due to my transition uh, amongst other things and um, you know I have no regrets it's definitely a chapter in my life that's closed um, but I'm I'm glad I I had that opportunity to to be in a gay marriage moving forward what's what's in pipeline for you in terms of your future I know there's been uh, incidents where you've applied for or rather, you've been in a few stages of Eurovision. Mm. How was it? So obviously, you're a performer, you're a singer, you've had some spoof videos as well on uh, YouTube. 
yeah barbie girl or punjabi girl yeah um so what what what's what's in it kitty for you um so i uh you know musically i'm i'm putting out material all the time i'm doing covers I, i'm putting out my own material i would uh love to do eurovision and i'm always um you know pinning the bbc for to get me into the uk national final uh for eurovision um i'm working very closely with um you know uk broadcasters um in terms of you know creating more awareness and and discussions around trans issues around lgbt issues and muslim issues as well you know i'm i'm very proud of being from the desi background and and being from the muslim background and um you know it's something that i i'm very very proud to speak out on about um i think my club nights will continue i think my you know i do quite a lot of journalism as well so i think my writing will continue um i really think the world's my oyster and you know let's see what happens let's see what the future will hold i think the first 33 years of my life to myself has been so entertaining who knows what's waiting in the next 33 years interesting and are you in a relationship or are you seeking a relationship at the moment currently i'm uh obviously focusing on my transition i really just want to focus on on my transition and you know if anybody comes along um i'm i'm open to dating so coming back to your um your your uh, transitioning phase of being a woman um what is the process uh, like physically emotionally that somebody goes through it and i mean why somebody what you are going through at this mm. age um so it's it's quite a big journey and um what happens here in the UK is you have you go to your GP your general doctor and you um have to be referred to a gender identity clinic for assessment um and you have to have two assessments at the gender clinic uh before you're given hormones um the wait is extortionate in the UK so um the time between going to see your GP to be in referred in for your first assessment is near enough 14 months wow. which is over a year and the time between your first and second assessment is about 10 months so all in all you could be waiting up to 2 years before you're even given hormones um I have I had waited 33 years to sort of realize my trans identity so I didn't want to wait another 2 years. So I went to a private specialist who um who um you know gave me the two assessments and I managed to get hormones. Um and when I went for my assessments at the gender identity clinic my prescription was just sort of put onto the NHS and I could then continue my my journey. So you have to be on hormones for 2 years um before any surgery can um you know be recommended and those uh, the reason why it's 2 years is because the hormones will change your body so whether you're going from male to female or female to male obviously if you're going from male to female you'll be prescribed estrogen and on the vice versa you'll be prescribed testosterone so your body will change you will start developing um 
So in my in my case, uh, going from male to female, I began getting uh, breast development. I my skin began softening. My hair started growing. Um, I had sessions of laser hair removal to remove um, uh, any facial hair that I had. Luckily, I uh, in terms of my body, I I don't have any uh, body hair which is very rare seeing as I was born a male Asian. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky in that respect. Um, so after two years, you can decide to have surgery. So depending on your breast development, you can get breast implants. Um, I've chosen, I mean, I've been on hormones now for 14 months, so I've got a little while to go, but I know that I probably am not going to get breast implants because I'm very happy with my, uh, you know, breast size and breast development. Um, the other surgery you can get um, are facial effeminization, where you can, uh, you know, your face can be changed and in, in, in order to get more feminine features. Once again, I mean, touch wood, I don't want to touch my face. I'm very happy with my face. I, I, I don't want to get any type of surgery on my face. Um, um, you can also get um, vocal lessons where they teach you to um, uh, to feminize your voice essentially. Again, I don't want to uh, get that because I'm again very happy with the voice I have. I I, I don't want to tamper with it. Um, and the last thing they offer you is um, downstairs surgery, so genital surgery, and. Um, that's something I definitely want. I definitely want to have downstairs surgery. And I think my, you know, with it uh, in about a year, I, pro I will most definitely have surgery downstairs. And I guess that would be the end of my medical transition. But it is very draining. It's, you know, when you're taking hormones, it's, um, it's a roller coaster. You know, you're going through puberty again. The mood swings are horrendous, like one day I'm feeling on top of the world, on, on another day I'm feeling so down. Um, I understand what every girl means now by that time of the month. <laughs> I, I experience it. I experience cramp, morning sick, sickness, um, mood swings, all sorts of things. Um, so it's a massive journey. It's a massive, massive journey. I can't thank you enough for coming on podcast and explaining your journey and also what you're going through at the moment. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who needs to be educated on this topic and uh, take all kind of people in the community seriously and not just create a mockery out of it. Um, again, a big thank you for, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. You can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website.